Thanks for joining us, everybody. This is another episode of Wired In. I'm your host, Blake Johnson. Joining me is Spencer Coles. As usual, we are here to just give you some exciting, thrilling conversations about what's happening in our world today. And if you would be so kind as to give us a follow on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review and be sure to share it with your Friends and family, anyone that you know that likes to listen to good podcasts, we would greatly appreciate that. Helps us grow our numbers and gives us uh, more reason to come back and do the show. <laughs> so we, we need the motivation sometimes. Um, but today's going to be a bit of a different type of show. We're going to spend, um, I don't even know how long we'll, we'll spend, but we're going to spend a good chunk five of... Five hours. Five, yes. It's going to be a 24-hour <laughs> marathon of us just talking about stuff. Uh, but we usually like to keep it, I don't know, somewhat topical. We still like to have discussions, but we like to really talk about, I don't know, some of the newest stuff that's happening in our world today. But, uh, and, and this is not super like deviating from that path because it is very much relevant, but we wanted to spend a good chunk of our show today talking about, um, Marxism in America, but even more specifically, can you even have a conversation with a hardcore leftist, maybe not even a Marxist, but someone that's just so, you know, embracing of the left's agenda these days that it just seems like in our world of social media, it's hard to have a conversation with anybody about anything without, you know, just calling them all sorts of names. So is it, is it even possible to have conversations with these people? Uh, I don't know if you are aware of this, Spencer, but yesterday for like, I don't know, it was like three or four hours, uh, uh, like the majority of social media was down. <laughs> you had Facebook. I know, it was great. Yeah, I know. I, just, I, know. I was like, oh, for just, peace at last. For just, <laughs> for just a brief <laughs> moment, humankind almost had hope, and then they turned the power back on. Um, yeah. It's like, well. Which, it was, it was actually kind of interesting for me how that happened, because I had just decided to you know go to the park and just get outside and just kind of enjoy the outdoors and that was when everything went down so when we got back i was like huh i can't log in and then i was like okay well maybe going outside was better for me and for everybody else to just get away from social media (laughs) but i just thought it was kind of interesting how that happened but uh, before we get into that um any updates on life Spencer, what's what's been going on with you lately? Well, not not nothing uh, major in terms of updates. Just been uh, been working like crazy for the past few days. Been jumping around from working show to show. So it's but uh, you know overall it's been you know, the same old same old more or less. Just just a little bit hectic for the most part. But um, but yeah, no, like uh, but, but like just kind of going back to what something that you highlighted, like it. It seems, as someone who is, uh, I guess I would consider myself slightly left-leaning, um, I, I, I guess re- by realistic uh, colloquial standards, I, I tend to be more of a uh, uh, more of a moderate. But uh, you know, if, if 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 you held a gun to my head, I, I, I suppose I would slightly lean a little bit to the left. But which you know, that, you might um, you might get a gun to your head at some point. You never know. <laughs> yeah, that might you know come twenty years maybe. Um, it's like, uh, but yeah, like, as someone who is left-leaning, when I 
when I've attempted to have conversations with uh, with some of the more, well, I guess I'll, I'll be really charitable here, some of the more progressive types, it, it's, it, the, the, it always seems to kind of come to this line in the sand of if basically it's at least coming from their end of the their end of the perspective of if you support government programs or like social programs but aren't for socialism then that's hypocritical it's like <laughs> just it, it's insane the, the the degree in which the discourse at least from a cultural standpoint has shifted um it just seems like you know if you're a a traditional liberal who advocates for like government programs but uh still doesn't want <laughs> the, the means of production to be socially controlled or owned it's like it you know it it's like th that that pocket of people it's like oh well you're you're being phased out of the left mm -hmm. it's just it's it's kind of crazy but it, you know it does make me wonder how much of it is a lot of these a lot of these people it makes me wonder if they legit legitimately understand and know what it is that they're advocating for or if it all is just or again like if it's all just under the guise of if they think whenever they think of socialism they just equate it to uh government programs like government spending um or facebook and social media well yeah that too <laughs> Yeah, it's something that I've thought of, too, because I think, you know, there's there's definitely people that are full believers in socialism, Marxism, all those things that, that understand what those things mean specifically. But I do think that there are, uh, you know, a number of people, maybe even if you want to be charitable, the majority of people that are involved in these protests that don't really understand what marxism socialism is they just they see a system that they've been told is is so deeply flawed that they have to you know protest against it and there's this this class warfare that's really been hyped up in our country especially lately that you know you've got these these ruling elites or as marx called it the bourgeoisie and you've got the proletariat or the working class that are just you know they're they're separated out, and the 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 elites are, you know, oppressors, and they're only in it for themselves, and you know, there's there's no commingling with them, and even if you even if you happen to do well in life, it's at the expense of somebody else, and you're still benefiting, you know, the the top people, and you know, the only way that you can take care of that is to you know overthrow the system, and that's i mean that's that is what marxism is and i think there are people that you know they think they are they they've been told they are and maybe they are but i don't think like you said they understand truly deeply what it is but even more so where it leads because you know anytime marxism has been tried true marxism has been tried in our society it's always led to chaos and disaster um at some form or another and what's what's kind of concerning is you know you look at movements like antifa and blm 
and, and movements like that. They don't the, the people that are in in charge of those movements, they do understand what they're doing. But at least with BLM. Yeah. Because and I'll go over this in just a second, but one of the co-founders of BLM is a trained Marxist and she's proud of it. What, whatever the hell that means. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't I don't know what a trained Marxist is. Like Well, I mean, she was, you know, she was taught at like a I think it's called the Community Strategy Center, um, which was established by a m- former member of the Weather Underground. I and guess does it like uh, does it like prioritize like organizing events and stuff? Like basically, the- yeah, yeah. And so it's I mean it has direct ties to like you know communist ideas and and things like that. So and, and they've even said in interviews, you, you know, we we are full believers in this and. You know, we are a Marxist and we're proud of it. And, but, you know, the thing is, the, the, I, I like to call them the useful idiots, the people that are being put into these, <laughs> these riots and these protests, they don't need to understand what Marxism is. They don't need to understand what any of this stuff is. All they need to do is be angry enough to go out there and protest and get in the streets. That's, that's all they need to do. Um, because I mean, if if they have the movements, if they have the numbers, you know, they can they can affect change in our society and not for the better. So, well, and I think uh, if you if you delve even deeper, I think the 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 even more glaring concern uh, from a especially from a a cultural perspective um, is that how inter like how interwoven. Um, groups like BLM and Antifa and CRT are melded together because for for those who kind of just are looking at it from the uh, just from from the outside from the surface, CRT is very much derivative from critical theory, which is uh, which was of course derivative from Marxism mm-hmm. and uh, and all of those all of those core principles. Uh, are very are, are rooted in a very postmodern foundation in that um, especially with in CRT's case is that everything when it pertains to Western Western society is rooted in a um, according to them is rooted in a oppressive patriarchal racist um, society. Um, or, or, or institutions, rather. Like, all institutions are a result of um, a white patriarchy. And in order to create equity, in order to uh, est- an, uh, to establish an equal outcome for everybody, we have to dismantle all of these, you know, long-held institutions uh, as a means of being able to create a better society a more like utopian um society and of course that's it's so funny because a lot of these people like a lot of these people who adhere to crt are also in the in that camp of being anti-fascist or or think that they're combating fascism but Mm -hmm. they don't realize that fascists throughout the course of basically all human history have used that mantra of Oh, see, I, I'm using authoritarianism to help you. See, I, I'm I'm dismantling all of these 
long-held uh, established institutions as a means of further embettering your lives. And it's like, but it, we've seen the, the catastrophic result of that, uh, whether it be the famines in the Ukraine during the 1930s, which was, of course, at the height of the Soviet Union's power. That was not like, you know, it wasn't towards the tail end. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't when they were feigning off. It was during the height of the Soviet Union. Um, and you had, you know, the Soviet Union basically uh, wiping out the Kulaks, who were a, a group of... Um, um, who are a group of landowning peasants who had kind of risen out of uh, peasantry or, or uh, out of out of essentially serfdom, basically. Mm -hmm. um, once they were wiped out, there were there was really nobody to really tend to the farms. So millions of people died across the Ukraine, and then not to mention yet more recent examples. You have the Khmer Rouge in Cambodia. Um, you know you have. Cuba, you have Venezuela, uh, North Korea with Kim Jong Un, everything happening over there. There's, there's all, there's so much precedent set for all of this, and it's, and it's really concerning that, despite all this precedent, we're still seeing a lot of the same ideology seep into um, Western politics, particularly uh, even just in the Democratic Party. And uh, I, I know a lot of people will kind of think we're, we're fear-mongering here because it's like, oh, well, there's a majority of Democrats in, in Congress now don't adhere to socialism. It's like, okay, well, yes, that's true, but you, ha you have to understand, we're, we're talking about this from more of... The, the, there have been a lot of polls and studies done that suggest that the younger demographic, the younger age range, is leaning heavily towards socialist policies and hell even uh marxist ideology and so i think that is the more dangerous thing it's like yes it might not be a, an immediate thing now but come you know let's say 10 years i think the the culture of western politics is going to change dramatically yeah i mean you just look at people like bernie sanders who i do think is a full-throated socialist mm -hmm. um and you know, back in 2016 and 2020, the immense amount of support that he got for his message and, you know, give him credit. He's, he's good at messaging and he's good at appealing to people's, you know, desires, but you know, these, these Democrats and these politicians in general, when they advocate for a redistribution of wealth and free this and free that, and you know these these rich people are are so evil, and there's there's you know we just need to keep on taxing them and taxing them and taxing them, and it, I mean again, it's it's dividing people into this class warfare system, and you know one of the things I can't remember his name, um, I think it's yeah Eric Hoffer. Is his name? He's, I think, like seventy some years ago, he wrote about mass movements, um, and these like, you know, fanatic fanatical movements that adhere to, you know, just they don't they don't really care about whether or not something is accurate or not. They just they have a cause. They're deeply invested in it, and you know, he was talking about. Um, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> he was he was basically talking about how. You know, with these with these radical movements, they they don't need 
you know, you you try to bring logic and reason to the table in this in this in this discussion, and that doesn't matter to them. You know, it doesn't. They 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 shut their eyes to it. They shut their ears to it. They don't want to hear it. You know, they because it's the ends justify the means. Well, even if there's certain obstacles along the way, those are perceived obstacles, and we can overcome that. And you know, it's all about reaching the end goal. But we never really know when we've reached the end goal. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like when you yeah, the, when you, the goalpost has to perpetually keep shifting. When when you talk about people that want this utopian system. They never really explain when we know we've reached that point. They, they talk about, okay, we need to do these things and we need to, you know, overcome this. But, you know, it, it's kind of similar to, to the cancel culture that we're experiencing today. And it's this movement of silencing people that said stuff from like decades ago that, you know, when they were just a teenager and things like that. I mean, you know, they're going around saying, oh, we, we need we need people to be more uh kind and more empath empathetic and we need more equality but they never explain when we've reached that or what that even truly looks like it's it's just these general terms um, it's like yeah we need people to be more tolerant and accepting and inclusive oh but except for that guy over there who doesn't agree with our political ideology cancel him immediately he's a fascist mm -hmm. or well in, in uh, gina carano's case th this was this was the most telling thing for me right it, 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 we're gonna it's gonna it's slightly veer off topic but it, it it'll veer back into topic but it's just funny because when gina carano came out and basically said you know the left uh per particularly with more so with the alt left is displaying a lot of the same uh, behavioral char characteristics of, uh, or, or the same type of um, mindset that people used during the 1940s uh, with the invasion of Poland. Uh, <laughs> everyone just lost their minds and, and viewed her as this fascist, and they were like, "Oh, we have we have to cancel her. We have to get rid of her, deplatform her." But then the the main lead for uh, Shang Chi. Uh, comes out and there's apparently an article written you know a while ago about basically him voicing the, it's weird to say out loud but it's like vo him voicing his sympathy f uh, his sympathies for um, people who are pedophiles it's just like oh well let's have him be our lead for our newest blockbuster film it's just it's it's crazy to me it's just the the weird double standard that seemed to have shifted and it, it's almost as if these people are incapable of understanding or or feeling blame or shame for violating their own standards or principles um it's well a, 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 even a better example uh have people like Hassan Piker who are who espouses socialism almost every single day, and then he uses all of his immense begotten wealth and buys a three million dollar house in West Hollywood, and his response to all that is, "Oh well, you don't want me to be homeless, do you?" It's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, um, what was that that gala that happened a few weeks ago? And oh, the Met Gala. Yeah, and. Ocasio-Cortez and other far-left people went there, and uh, the the big talk of, of that event was Ocasio-Cortez was wearing this dress, and on the back of it, it said, tax the rich, 
even though come to find out, you know, in order to attend that gala, it costs like what, 20 to 30 grand. So like only the, only the very rich elites were able to go. And then, Oh, but don't you understand Blake? Don't you understand? Someone paid for her ticket though. Someone paid for her seat. So it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Her, it's fine that she still attended this event that costs other people $30,000 and, uh, you know, clank to wine glasses with the elite that she supposedly is railing against. It's, it's totally fine. Well, and she came it's out like, and said that, well, I'm not actually part of the elite. You know, we're, we're talking about millionaires. Then and why bil- the hell did they let you through the door? Like, you know? Yeah, well, in her mind, she's she's like, well, I, I only make like several hundred thousand dollars a year. That doesn't make me elite. I'm not a millionaire, a billionaire. I mean, come on. There's a difference here. And it's like. You do realize that the vast majority of people make far less than you do for doing, like, what what exactly have you accomplished in your time in Congress that warrants you making, you know, those gobs and gobs of money? Uh, and, you know, th- this is a great segue into something I wanted to bring up, too, because one of the, one of the co-founders, I believe, of um, BLM there was a story that came out like a couple months ago where I think one of the co-founders owns like three mansions or something like that. Oh, you yeah. know, uh, the, you know, this very movement that, you know, part of, and she's again, an open Marxist against these, you know, elites and these, these rich people is very wealthy herself. And of course, you know, Bernie Sanders, he owns like three or four homes. He's very rich. You know, that it, it is, no matter how many times they say, oh, we just haven't done it properly. We just haven't done Marxism properly. It's it's going the same way. I mean, the, the, the same players in this game are the same players from, like, generations ago. They're the yeah, ones absolutely. that are actually the wealthy and the, the elite trying to take advantage of those who are, you know, they're, they're disadvantaged, they're living maybe in poverty, and they're upset at their you know, the, the system. And again, they're, they're useful idiots in, in these people's minds. They're just masses that they can control. Well, and I think the, even, uh, one of the more dangerous things is that, um, we're starting to see this narrative pop up, particularly, um, uh, again, in leftist circles, uh, that democratic socialism is radically different from, um, traditional scientific socialism as Marx and Engels coined the term. However, when you examine democratic socialism, generally they, a lot of democratic socialists will try to t- pull you in by saying, oh, well, you know, we, we still favor decentralization and everything. It's like, oh, okay, great. How are we going to create decentralization? Oh, by forcing everyone into a single collective where the means of production are socially owned or controlled uh, and have property ownership nationalized, or at least um, if we're being insanely charitable here, a majority of it, like, yeah, that, that, that's gonna, that's gonna create a lot of decentralization. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's this, it's the same principle. It doesn't matter. You can, you can claim that, oh, well, but see, it's going to be more democratic. So it's not going to be like all of those other instances of totalitarianism. It's just like, it's, it's, it's just, it's so fucking crazy how it's just repackaged and it's like oh i promise it's not gonna blow up in your face this time it Mm -hmm. yeah well it's easy for them to say because they're the ones holding the power 
So exactly. That's I mean that's what it really comes down to. Um, something that I, I wanted to bring up that I thought was is interesting to this this conversation and whether or not we can, you know, have a real conversation with people like like these these people that believe in you know either Marxism or critical race theory or things like that. Um, you know, it it goes back to understanding what the debate is even about and understanding the language that these people in this debate use and what they mean by it. So, you know, as it relates to like critical race theory and, you know, people protesting inequality and white supremacy, well, it's important to understand what these individuals mean by white supremacy and what 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 are they talking about? Are they talking about like actual card carrying white supremacists that, you know, the skinheads that believe that they are better than anybody else because of their race, you know, is that what they're talking about or is it something else? And one of the, I would say the key modern day thinkers, Robin DiAngelo, um, she, she describes it this way. She's like one of the, you know, she wrote, wrote white fragility and she's, you know, been like one of the main promoters of, of the critical race theory arguments. And she says that white supremacy, yeah, she's, she's, she's technically not an author of CRT, but she basically is. She's, no, she's not, certainly one of them. Yeah. She didn't um, come up with it, but she's certainly been one of the main promoters yeah. of it. <laughs> but she, she uses the term white supremacy to condemn all of society. So in her book, mm-hmm. white fragility, yep. she says white supremacy is a descriptive and useful term to capture the all encompassing centrality and assume superiority of people defined and perceived as white, and the practices based on this assumption. White supremacy in this context does not refer to individual white people and their individual intentions or actions, but to an overarching political, economic, and social system of domination. Again, racism is a structure, not an event. While hate groups that openly proclaim white superiority do exist, and this term refers to them also, the popular consciousness solely associates white supremacy with these radical groups. This reductive definition obscures the reality of the larger system at work and prevents us from addressing the system. So, in other words, white supremacy, it's not, yes, obviously it would include the more extreme groups like that, but it's referring to this overarching system of, you know, white supremacy and white dominance. And again, it goes back to, you know, the the fundamentals of Marxism. You've got this class of people that are subject to the ruling authorities, and anything that happens, whether it's good or bad, is basically to benefit the ruling class. So anything that happens to non-whites, whether it's good or bad, or even if, you know, you can cite examples all you want of black people that have done well, well, I mean, they've done well because they've benefited off of white man's rules, and they're still you know, we're living in a white society. So it's, it's all encompassing. And when you, when you understand just how massive of an umbrella that is, it makes it easy to understand why if, if you're talking to someone that thinks like this, is there really a way to come together with, with people like that? I mean, because they've already thrown logic out the window. They're redefining terms to fit their own narrative. And when you do that, if you've changed the language, then you've changed the debate, you've changed the game. If you're coming at it from two totally different, you know, fundamentals, I don't honestly understand how you can come together with people like that. Well, 
it, 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 it can be boiled down to, to answer your initial question. It can, it can be reduced down to this. What does CRT and, uh, or hell, even critical theory basically profess? That all Western liberalism is just a means of enabling systemic racism. And that particularly, that's what uh, CRT preaches. And you have, uh, listen, we, we cannot dispute that a majority of people on the left adhere to this ideology that Western liberalism um, enables racism and fascism. So if they believe, that, and I'm using liberalism in the most traditional sense, uh, uh, basically the, the acceptance and allowance of uh, other beliefs in ideologies and so forth. Just what well, we would probably call standard libertarianism today, if if that makes more sense to people. <laughs> to a degree, I suppose that's true. Yeah, it, it falls under that same umbrella, certainly. Um, but if they believe that Western liberal democracy is at its core root systemically oppressive or sy systemically racist, then. No, we can't have a conversation with them. As much as I'd like to, uh, from their end of the spectrum, they believe everything about our discourse, everything about Western society is systemically oppressive and needs to be torn down in order to create a better power structure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. And, you know... It, that's not to say that there's nobody that you can, like, that may be exposed to some of these ideas that you can't, you know, try to reason with. But, like, the full believers, the ones that are really, you know, trying to pull the strings and that are trying to get into power. Yeah, there's a huge distinction there. Yeah. yeah. And it kind of going back to what you had mentioned earlier and expanding upon it, I don't believe that the majority of Democrat voters are you know, full-on Marxist, socialist, things like that. I think there are plenty of Democrats out there that do, you know, they, they, they believe overall in the same thing as far as they want America to be a better place. They think America is a good country. They want freedom. They believe in free speech, private property, things like that. They just, you know, they believe in more social programs or more, you know, maybe taxation and stuff like that. But they, they're not like... We need to silence all dissent and we need to, you know, overpower everybody and overturn everything. There's some that do, but I I still hold to this hope that at least right now, the majority of like just regular Democrat voters aren't like that. But again, when you have these kinds of messages that are permeating not just social media, not just TV, but are deeply embedded in our education system in college and public universities you've got the next generation right now being indoctrinated with this stuff and you know who's to say all it's going to take is one two generations to be fully you know embedded into this idea system in order for it to you know to start to overturn everything because well i mean it's, that, it's that's, already that's, happening that's how now. you change things well, I mean, uh, and again, uh, to, to touch, on, touch on that further, I mean, it's already happening now. You have people like Hassan Piker who 
or who is arguably one of the biggest Twitch streamers on the platform right now, and he has millions of, of followers. I mean, he, I mean, there's no telling how many uh, daily viewers that he gets on his streams. And you, and again, Eric July preaches this, and I, I somewhat agree with him in terms of at least from a colloquial uh, or a, a social uh, standpoint, is that if you dictate the culture. You dictate the politics. And a lot of, and again, a lot of these uh, younger, more progressive Democrat types are leaning heavily um, towards, if we're being really charitable here, uh, democratic socialist uh, stances and uh, ideas, right? And they're... They're not going on CNN, they're not going on NBC, they're not going on, you know, wherever to espouse all this. They're going on Instagram, they're going on TikTok, they're going on uh, Twitch, where, wherever. Mm -hmm. that, that main discourse is not happening at the forefront uh, alongside regular, like, t typical... Um, trying to think of the right term here but but basically it's not it's not it's not being at the forefront in traditional legacy media it's happening in modern media it's happening through all these other outlets yeah i mean i i, I just saw like a couple of weeks ago that tiktok has has overtaken youtube as the like the number one streaming platform um for for videos um, because oh, yeah. I mean, that's, that's where, that's where, I mean, I have a TikTok now even just cause there's, there's certain videos I find funny, but I don't use it very much. Um, but I mean, that's, that's where all the young people are. That's, that's where, that's where the ideas are being put out there. And it's not just, you know, TikTok, it's not just funny, you know, cat videos or dog videos or, you know, goofy stuff like that. I mean, it's, there's certainly plenty of that, but there's also a lot of, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about happening on there too. And I mean, you know, I remember, <laughs> I remember when, uh, I, I think it was 2016 when, when Trump was, was running and there was like this, this new thing that was being like this new trend or whatever on these dating platforms where if, if you even considered voting for a Republican, then, you know, I don't want to have anything to do with you. And, you know, that was, that was a big deal at the time. Cause they're like, really, we're going to, we're going to treat each other like this because of, you know, a political candidate that we want to vote for. And it's now just embedded itself into almost every aspect of, of our culture. I mean, you've got actors that, you know, are so restricted on what they can and can't say and if they even if they even are so bold as to acknowledge that you know men are men and women are women they could lose their careers it, you know we we've, we've talked about this with the covid debate and the vaccine debate and it's just it feels like it just as a society there is no room for negotiation with with anyone and and you know I'll be I'll be honest even among the right there's people plenty of people among the right that don't want to have anything to do with people that are not fully with Trump or, you know, that may hold a slightly different opinion than they do. 
but you're seeing it even more with with the left. I mean, there's just in general, when we talk about having conversations with people, I don't even know what we can have a conversation about anymore. Yeah. I mean, it's well, because it's all become very tribalistic in nature. And I feel like, um, I feel like Trump was very much, uh, I was about to say a lightning rod, but that in a way he was a lightning rod, but it was more than that. I feel like lightning rod. (laughs) (laughs) But um, it, it feels more like um, he kind of more amplified. It was like, I, f- I feel like we were inevitably heading down this path anyway. But once Trump came into the picture, it very much changed. It very much just accelerated the process. Um, and, and it's funny because uh, Ben Shapiro, he was talking about this uh, on his podcast and it, uh, kind of talking about how, how, like his theory on um, how and why our country has become so polarized, and his main theory, or at least one of his main theories about uh, what would happen if you got rid of the polarization, that uh, nothing would really change in terms of the way the dynamic is set up right now, the political dy- dynamic is set up right now, because so many because at the, at the core root of it um you often see that one side is or, or well not say one side but it's um either side is willing to grab the hammer as a means of it's it's very much the consequentialist argument of uh, oh well if i don't hammer down these policies right now the other side's going to do it uh, to me so you know by that standard i have to do this um, and it just seems like uh, this kind of standard for how politics has kind of carried out in our country has just gone on for so long that it's kind of, again, created that, in a sense, that very tribalistic dynamic of, you know, the the, the whole consequentialist aspect of, um, uh, particularly with rimming down policy and stuff like that yeah yeah no i i agree it's uh you know there that you i don't even know if you can say that there's like moderate democrats or moderate this or that i mean it's you know you're either fully fully in with us in our mission or you're not and that's uh that's that's not a healthy place to be as a society it's it's really not well, there, ha- there has to be room for discourse <laughs> well and it's it's just interesting because um because again as, as somebody who is uh, somewhat left-leaning uh i mean i i have certainly been booted out of the democratic party by all means um what was once the standard uh, uh traditional the the classic liberal um viewpoint in the left is is no longer that it's it's amalgamated into a million different things and so naturally i've had to resort to um kind of violence (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but um but i mean it's just like you know i've predominantly when it comes to uh i i I still have conversations with the left uh here and there but it's 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 not as um frequent in comparison to uh, conversations with libertarian circles and conservative circles and um, 
you know, and, and, and moderate circles. It just, it seems like that, like, <laughs> it seems like the Democratic Party has been commandeered by the alt-left. And it's going to be, it's at some point further down the line, it's going to become the standard. And it's just, it, it's it's so telling because there was a poll that came up recently. And I think it was somewhere around like 50% or 56% of Democrats believe that uh, conservatives are fascists uh, or, or, or equate conservatism with fascism. Um, and it was around that same mark with Republicans who view Democrats as being socialists. Um, now, there's a little bit more accuracy with the latter because uh, obviously the, a lot of the policies that de modern Democrats are wanting to um, ram through now are very akin to socialism. But um, it's 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 so. Uh, sorry, I accidentally muted myself. Um, but it's just <laughs> interesting that. Uh, it's just interesting that a lot of the left equates, particularly even with libertarianism as being fascism, when uh, the whole premise of conservatism is fundamentally against big government control. Yeah, that, that's that's the whole point of conservatism. We're conserving what the founders <laughs> set up in the beginning, which was, you know, to not have a deeply centralized government, but to have, you know, more liberties for people and, you know, to still have government involved, but for, you know, basically to protect our rights. And I, I, I don't know how you equate that with fascism, because that's the literal opposite of what that is. Um, but, you know, well, again, something... it, it all it all ties back into and just to touch on this shortly, it all ties back into their belief that. Western liberal democracy is is essentially rooted from a fascist patriarchal, you know, uh, society. Yeah, and even if you think that, oh, well, my intentions are not this, or, well, I believe this, well, no, you actually don't, because you're still belonging to this overall system, and the system mm -hmm. is oppressive, so therefore you are oppressive. And, I mean, that's just how it works. And, you know, it, it reminded me, I don't know if you've, um, seen a whole lot of this going on lately, but you know, Democrats are trying to pass this massive climate spending bill in uh, in Congress mm -hmm. right now, and you've got these two Democrat um, senators, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema, who are more moderate, and they don't want to vote for it because they believe we don't need to be spending all this money. It's we we can't afford this. This is ridiculous. And they are getting treated like basically criminals. And there was, I guess, video of someone like um, going and finding her in the bathroom and filming her there and like harassing her and, and not letting like her not. letting her leave. And, you know, saying, you know, you're you're oppressing people and you're you know, you're not following what you need to be following. And I mean, it's just like they're full bully tactics and. Just over, you know, a spending bill, and that's how dare you go against the group think? Yeah, yeah it, you know, <laughs> and that's that's you know what is pushing more and more moderates out is because I mean Andrew Yang, I don't know if you saw this, but I think it was today or yesterday, 
he announced that he's no longer associated no longer wants to be associated with the democrat party and i didn't delve deeply into all of his reasoning why but i wouldn't be surprised if it has something to do with this as far as like just how how we treat each other and i think it's that and also he um he did also kind of shoot himself in the foot when it came to a lot of uh certain remarks he made um at least when it pertains to when it comes to keeping in line with the the democratic the, the modern um standard the the modern falling or i'm trying to think of the right term here but basically you know in keeping with the the modern standard of the democratic party um just uh, he made some statements that rattled progressives feathers and so um it's it's a culmination of that and i would assume also with uh how discourse in modern politics has kind of devolved <laughs> i'm sure it's a culmination of both those things yeah but again it, it just it just goes to show that we're not in a healthy place as a society and you know when joe biden gets in there and says i'm going to be i'm going to i'm going to bring healing i'm going to restore you know compassion it's like it, it it's the division has only increased since <laughs> since he's uh but all you governors that are that are going against the the, the the mandates the federal mandates oh well you you better your 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 days are, are I'm trying to remember exactly what he said or yeah he said his his patience is wearing thin yeah yeah, yeah. it's like <laughs> it's like you know if if you're really unity. wanting wanting to, yeah if you're really wanting to bring <laughs> unity to our politics that's not how you do it you know it, it's but anyway we're we're starting to veer a little off of what we're mainly talking about I guess but but yeah I guess. To kind of wrap it up here, you know, it it's important to educate yourself on, you know, what what are the battles that we're facing, what are the arguments that are being made, who's making them, and understanding, you know, what what really is Marxism, what really is socialism, where it goes, where it leads, you know, and, and just being informed on that because again, they're they're taking like the 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 biggest and most important part of the battlefield is in education. It's what are people being taught. And it doesn't have to be in a public school system, although that is happening. It, it just has to be in you know regular discourse, what you, what you view, what you look at. The trends that happen on social media will understand what those trends mean, who's saying them, who's promoting them, all that. I mean, it's just basic stuff. So I guess at the end of the day, it's, it's important to just you know, be familiar with, with what all that is. And I don't know. I mean, I guess if you, if you have a friend or you have someone that you know, that's, that's deeply into this kind of stuff, I mean, whew, that, that would be rough. That would be rough, but you know. Just... Yeah. I mean, I've, uh, you know, just, it, it's, it's insane. I've, I mean, it, I've had a lot of friends who have kind of fallen into this, um, basically it's a borderline occult it's uh, in terms of how it functions ideologically um yeah it's man it's a shame because uh, i've just known really bright really intelligent people just kind of fall into that trap of uh of of adhering to that kind of again just the, that cult-like mentality mm -hmm. yeah and it's it's easy to fall into i mean they 
the the ones that are promoting these movements are very well versed in how to appeal to people's you know desires and their frustrations and the shortcomings in society i mean they're really really good at it and you know it's for a reason so but anyway um pretty interesting discussion and we'll probably have more of it at some point in the future but it's just something that i think we need more of and more people to talk about so we just thought we'd uh come together and chit chat about it and just try provide to provide some groundbreaking discourse that's that's right discourse you won't <laughs> find anywhere else exactly. so yeah but we do thank you so much for tuning in and listening to us today and we uh appreciate your time and undivided attention so we will catch you back here next time have a great rest of your week and stay safe <laughs>